Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just nine. $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What's up, Duke fans? Welcome to the Devil's Den podcast. I'm your host, Josh Smith, joined by my co-host, Raul. We're happy to welcome to the podcast, um, Jonathan Leviton. Leviton? Leviton, right? Leviton, all Levitan, right. Yes. Leviton, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it. That's one of my pet peeves, his names here. Um, if you're not familiar with Jonathan, Jonathan works over, well, he's a student at Duke currently, and he does a lot of work with the Chronicle. Um, he was the sports editor for the 118th volume, Duke Trinity Senior going to let him talk a little bit about what he does over there covering the team um a little bit from the journalism side of things and as a student slash maybe fan um so we'll, we'll jump in and talk about that not to bury the lead too much though we're recording this thursday uh duke did beat louisville 84 59 last night behind roach had 19 and 6 another big game for mark mitchell 17 and 7 a little bit of uh kind of down news i guess we did hear from head coach john shire talked a little bit about caleb foster dealing with the, you know, the standard Duke lower leg extremity injury, right? Another one of these things. Uh, we seem to not be able to avoid that. Hopefully he'll be back at some point. It didn't sound super great. It looks like he is expected to miss some time. So we'll, we'll see as we head into March here. That's not ideal, um, but we're hoping that we'll be able to get him back. Lastly, before we get into this, I do got to give a huge shout out to our guy, Spencer Hubbard, for for nailing the three last night. Place was pretty electric after that. Had a great bench production last night in general. Um, Sean Stewart had nine and nine, didn't miss a shot. So we're able to get a little bit of a party in Cameron going there. But um, Jonathan, let me just toss it to you right quick as we get started. If you want to just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do with the Chronicle. Thank you guys for having me on today. It, uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, like you said, I'm a Trinity senior here at Duke. I study data science, but I have really spent the bulk of my time here working for the Chronicle. I spent my junior year, volume 118, so from April 2022 to April 2023. As a sports editor, it's really been great to kind of be a part of Duke sports culture from the inside and get to know 
an industry as cool as sports journalism at a young age like this. I feel really lucky to do what I do and to be able to get um, get an inside view at at this team this year, especially. Is that something that like when you came into Duke that like, hey, I was really interested in doing this or did this just kind of fall like on your plate? Like, how did that relationship develop? I think that sports journalism is always something that kind of piqued my interest. I had never had a chance to do it before. And my my freshman year, I came in fall 2020 and we were all kind of mm. looking for things to do. The The pandemic was in, in full stride. And I attended a couple of meetings on Zoom I got to working with some of the older guys, learned about um, what it was like to be a beat, to really get to know a team and to tell the stories that make that team a team. Didn't really get to working with a team in particular until my sophomore year. I started working as a beat for Duke football in the 2021 season. Yeah, 2021, which was which was a pretty rough season. Um, they started three and one and kind of limped to the finish line, went three and nine. Um, that was David Cutcliffe's last season in Durham. Mm-hmm. So I think that was, as a, I guess I'm straying away from the question here a little bit, but we've gotten <laughs> to cover so many great Duke basketball teams. It was, um, it was really kind of hard to watch a team get down on itself like that in the early going. And in a weird way, it really attracted me to this kind of work um, that, that fall or that winter, I covered my first men's basketball team with that final Coach K team, the Final Four team, mm-hmm. and it's really interesting to see the the ups and downs of college students, especially. I've, I've never covered professional sports, um, but these guys are 18, 19, 20 years old, and they have so many expectations on their shoulders. I'm just a regular student here. I couldn't really imagine doing a lot of things that they do, and it uh. It brings me a lot of joy to be the guy in that room, um, getting to know them, telling the stories of the, the hard work they put in. Yeah, so I've been in the locker room a few times, but it's always been after a win. So I'm kind of curious, like, what is the atmosphere and environment like after a tough loss? Hmm. That's a that's a good one. So I, I was I was out in Wake Forest on Saturday, which was maybe the toughest loss I've seen in a long hmm. time. Where we were, we were not in the in the locker room, but we were outside in the hallway talking to Jeremy, talking to Kyle, speaking with Shire in the press conference. But that that was a phenomenal basketball game last Saturday. By the way, I, I enjoyed listening to you guys break that down with um with Connor. Oh, yeah. Um, but I think that specifically talking with Kyle the other day, I, I got a lot of admiration for the way he handled that situation. And to have to put on a brave face at at that age after kind of laying it all on the line and it didn't really go your way, that's that's really the vibe in there. I remember looking back a little further to um I think it was the, the I wasn't in Orlando last year for the um the Tennessee loss. Mm. But we had some writers in that locker room specifically talking with Derek Whitehead. And there's kind of a feeling there that you work hard for a year, you're in Durham for a year, and he was NBA bound. It's hard, hard to see um, these young guys leave it all on the line and for it all to come to an end so quickly, if that's how it goes. Yeah. 
what is it like for you to like it's a little bit different because you're covering them but they're also like your peers right like y'all are on campus together like y'all y'all share a culture and community and but then there's also like a separation like do you have to like prepare for that like as working for the chronicle as a journalist do you have to kind of like do like a bias check or like be a little reflective in terms of like how i create this um this dynamic or how you navigate that kind of boundary yeah um it it is obviously a little unique that the the people that we are consistently writing about are people who who live in our dorms who go to class with us it's not to the same level with the uh the men's and women's basketball teams just because they are such a big deal on campus that they kind of exist in their own realm but specifically with the other the other 25 varsity sports we have to be very clear that you're not just going to go knock on somebody's door and get an interview that way we um we really emphasize a separation for those athletes um, so that they can have a student experience and that we can talk to them about what about what they do yeah. um the, another aspect of it is that you're you're walking around campus and you you see Caleb Foster wearing a boot and riding a scooter, and sometimes we have to think about okay, what can we, what are we going to report on, um, what what is the the proper level of of privacy that we need to respect here? Yeah, yeah, because you kind of have to wait for like, well, you know, what what's coach gonna say? What's gonna be the official word coming out and all of that stuff too. Yeah, I can imagine that would create a little bit of a dynamic in terms of like having to deal with that. I know this might go predate you a little bit, but I'm sure you probably heard some of it, too. Like, what is the level of kind of like autonomy or freedom that you have? Because, you know, not we all love Coach K, right? But we've heard back in the day there was especially like something written about Kyle Singler, I think, like a while back. Um, and he kind of ripped into it a little bit and tried to kind of maybe impose the the tone of, of of the chronicle here so for you in your term um how much kind of freedom autonomy do you have to kind of go out and find the story and write it like how jonathan would write it yeah that's a that's a great question uh one really good thing is that the chronicle has pretty good relationship with uh, duke athletic department as a whole we're on the same page with these uh the spokespeople for all these teams who help us talk to the athletes that we want to talk to and tell their stories. But I think the the biggest part of it is that we have these beat teams that are devoted to these teams that get to know these teams. And just like, just like anything in the journalism world, develop a rapport that allows us to, to really dive in and tell the stories that need to be told. Um, one thing that we've really emphasized the last few years is building out beat teams for more sports than men's and women's basketball and football so that stories pop up and not only are we there to see them but we're we are there to speak to the athletes that are a part of them and to get that out to the duke community and anybody else who wants to read the chronicle yeah i would imagine too with uh we got some some new teams coming into the conference that might also create a little bit of uh travel restrictions budget stuff for you all as well getting out to the west coast a little bit getting down to texas a little bit you mentioned y'all had some folks down in orlando um so it seems a, to be a pretty big operation in terms of logistically getting all this stuff together yeah we we raise a lot of money year in and year out which we're we're proud of the uh the rivalry challenge with the daily tar heels really a big a big month for us and giving us the funds we need to do what we do but travel traveling for these games is is special um for our for our writers some of the some of my better experiences have been away from Cameron as special as Cameron is um 
I, I got to go out to, I'm from San Francisco originally. So it's really special for me a couple of years ago, right when I was entering as the editor to go out and be there for the regional, um, which wouldn't be possible without, uh, without Duke student publishing company, the people who, uh, who help us raise all this money and give us the funds we need to do what we do. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That, was a, that must've been a pretty fun trip. Well, one, you get to go home and two, you get to see two kind of cut some nets and make a final four run. So, um, can't be that. In the same day I went to my brother's JV lacrosse game and then went straight to the elite eight, which was <laughs> a interesting experience. Nice. Yeah. Very nice. I kind of wanted to dig in a little bit more about, uh, coach K's last year and what that experience was like. Um, you know, I know you weren't probably a student for that many years while he was coaching, but it's still such a big transition and such a big change. Were you at the um, final game, final home game, the Duke UNC game? I was. So okay. that that was my sophomore season and I I did not cover that game. So I slept in tent that year for okay. months. <laughs> um, and I'll be honest, there was not really much of a much of a sense of what happens if if Duke loses this game. Mm. Um, I don't think it's something that really dawned on the student section until the second half where the energy gets a little different in there. You start to feel it. Um, and I, I thought that was after the game, kind of a defining moment for that that team, which was a real joy to cover. They were they were something special when Coach K comes back out and says that that wasn't really acceptable from <laughs> us. Yeah, that, that was a day that I I won't forget. And that was a weird one as a as a student to be standing there in like the, the first or second row with all the people that I'm used to sitting next to uh, on press row working on the biggest day in college basketball right in front of me. Yeah, and I would imagine too, because you're looking around, you're, you're seeing all the former players, right? There's all kinds of celebrities in there. Um, do you have like, that kind of brings me back a little bit. Do you have a, um, maybe not so much a story, but like a favorite, like article or a favorite, like player that you covered or something that you've wrote about that stood out to you in the last few years? Yeah, I think that some of the, some of the most, um, most meaningful work I've been able to do is on that transition between Krzyzewski and Shire. It's it's hard to understate how like how big of a change that is for a program that's been with the same guy for four plus decades and seen mm -hmm. that kind of success. There was a day in May 2022 where Shire announced a press conference and just introduced his whole new staff and kind of laid out his vision for what he thought um, he wanted these next few years to look like. And that's a day that when I'm when I'm covering this team last year and this year, I, I returned to a lot and I I think about everything he wants for this program because theoretically he's going to be head coach here for a long time. He's a very young man. Yeah. And um, that's a day that I think that um, we'll, we'll all return to and think about how, how this all started. When I, when I think back on last year and covering that team specifically, um, I take pretty seriously the idea of chronicling uh like the beginning of something. I want to take Shire's first year as seriously as somebody took Coach K's first year once upon a time because uh, you never really know how we're going to look back on this 20, 30 mm -hmm. years from now. Um, the I, got, I had the opportunity to meet a former Chronicle Sports editor from, from the 80s who was here for one of Coach K's first seasons. 
and they were it was one of those tough years where they were not good and the sports editors that year quit and he he stepped in and was a sports editor and i always think where where would we be uh, i wouldn't have these stories to look back on all this history in the chronicle to to know about these seasons this history of the scene that i cover from 20 years before i was born if nobody had been there to cover those games then and to follow that team along when they when they weren't a top 10 team in the country when they weren't blowing out louisville by 25 points on a random wednesday <laughs> night yeah that, that's a great story too that the brotherhood runs deep right it runs even into the chronicle here where y'all are able to kind of tap into some of that as well um shifting gears a little well i, I want to ask you real quickly before we, we transition um what was it like going from kind of covering it and then as a writer to being sports editor for that volume was there any kind of challenges that came with that like what kind of experience was that like for you so our, our transition is in april we last day of classes we go from the previous editor to the new editor so really right as soon as one basketball season ends we um we change over we start getting ready for the fall with um with football season and looking towards the winter so had a little bit to to ramp up especially with the, the summer months mm -hmm. but i i felt i felt ready um i spent my sophomore year as a as a blog editor so i knew i had the the editorial skills but the um the sheer amount of of things that we cover at first was overwhelming to even me the chronicles put a pretty big emphasis in the last four or five years, especially since our shift to being a more digital paper on covering the um, all 27 sports here at Duke. Um, got a lot of a lot of great sports in every season here. So in the in that first month, we were covering the um, women's tennis made a final four run and men's lacrosse was making a run at the NCAA tournament. Just I think that I didn't even appreciate until I took the, took the mantle as sports editor how how nonstop the Duke sports machine is. Mm -hmm. This is a place that um, just has a lot of crazy athletes, and you feel it when you walk around from class to class. When you're when you're in there with uh, the best men's lacrosse player in the world, probably, and you're just randomly sitting next to a top ten runner in the country, and things like that. But by the time the fall came around and the winter we were really focusing on just building out a really great freshman class they're doing great things now as sophomores they're all across the men's basketball beat the women's basketball beat so if you are reading up on those teams you are you're reading a ton of them really proud of the work that they have done yeah for sure shout out to duke baseball too man they're on the they're on the rise they got me pretty excited already so far this season so Maybe we'll make a run to Omaha as well. Um, let's take a little quick break and then we'll jump back in and do more of kind of a student fan perspective here. All right, Jonathan. So let's let's kind of pivot briefly here. Um, so you mentioned being from the Bay Area. Were you kind of like a Duke fan before you came in? Like where was Duke on your radar? I know you had probably a lot of good opportunities out there, speaking of like Stanford and some of the other Bay Bay schools. So what brought you all the way to the East Coast? So my mom is Duke class of 87. So okay, I was nice. I was indoctrinated <laughs> as a as a child. My mom is actually a Glenbrook North High School alum, oh, um, yeah. which is the home of John Shire. Yep. So I wow. 
was writing a story last last winter on John Shire and speaking to people from Glenbrook North and telling them I'm like, yeah, yeah, my <laughs> grandparents live around the street from from you guys. One of my earliest sports memories, I guess I was I was eight years old. I'm born in summer of 01 for the uh for the 2010 Duke Championship. And I I I remember that Gordon Hayward shot going up in in slow motion. Um I remember my mom screaming, but it was uh we we didn't get a lot of great basketball growing up in the in the Bay Area. The Warriors were not good when I was a kid. It's different than it is mm-hmm. nowadays. Mm-hmm. And my my dad's family is from Philadelphia and those weren't good years for the 76ers. So um as I was kind of growing up and falling in love with sports and with basketball specifically, um really came to love Duke basketball. I really remember that next season, the season where Nolan Smith went scorched earth on everybody yeah. really well. So yeah. that is kind of my my introduction to being a sports fan. Yeah, nice, nice. I won't, I won't age us too much, but I was a junior in college for that 2010 run and it was uh, <laughs> phenomenal. It was phenomenal, yeah. I'll just say I was older than that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, my, my Gordon Hayward shot moment was the Christian Leitner shot. So... In yeah. reverse, you know what I'm saying? Like that yeah, was yeah. my big defining childhood moment. For sure. It's a For pretty sure. good one. It's a pretty good yeah. one. <laughs> um, so so coming in as a fan, then do you have to like I, I guess I don't know, do do you feel that you have to be a little bit more um objective? Or since it is like uh the chronicle is ran through the university, it does it allow you to kind of bring that fan element in, or do you kind of work hard to like let me separate this and provide more kind of neutrality. I think at this point, I'm I'm pretty good at separating it. Um, one, of, one of the nice things is, is that the Chronicle is actually not part of the university, which is um, in 1990 uh, disaffiliated, which lets us kind of speak oh, our mind on the university more from a news perspective than from a from a sports perspective. Nice. But I think that also applies to 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 writing about the sports teams. You know, I um I feel like I can go in there and cover that team as as uh as an objective observer which is what i have to be when i walk in there and uh to be honest it feels weird the other way sometimes when i turn it off and i go stand in the student section just because i've been doing this for so many years now that um that i feel sometimes more like it's it's my job than um than i am a, a fan of this team just that emotional shift that occurs right it's hard to kind of put that on and off yeah, I, my, my, I have a little brother who I, I took to the Clemson game. We stood in the student section together. And it was a, that, that was one of the rowdiest days I've ever seen in the student section. It was, it was loud in there. And it was, it was a little weird because I'm, I'm used to, to covering these, this team. I'm used to kind of seeing these guys at their highest and their lowest. And to, um, it's definitely a unique way to, to watch this team as a student. But I, I am certainly bought in i am um, i want what's best for this team i think yeah yeah for sure so you don't struggle with uh not cheering on press row because i've been on there a few times and that's been brutal for me i imagine you get used to it at a certain point <laughs> no you uh you, you get used to it i think um i remember the the first game i ever covered in person was a football game and it was the charlotte game the season mm-hmm. opener in 2021 where Mateo Durant, the running back, ran for 240 something yards. And uh there were there were media struggling to to control themselves. And that was really my, my first introduction to that. 
but I like we. I don't think we have to hide the fact that we're we're students. Um, we ha- we have our our own little bit of investment in it. But when I when I'm working for the Chronicle, I uh, I wear the white hat. <laughs> Very nice. Yeah, I was gonna ask too. Is there like, do you do you get like a deeper appreciation for just maybe how special a place like Cameron is when you're covering it from like the the Chronicle side, from the journalism side, because you're kind of coming in probably a little bit differently, right? You're a little separated from it versus kind of being a part of that energy. Does it enhance it? Take it away? Like what? What is that like? Definitely. I I think that my my first two times in Cameron, um, I came to see a game. When I when I was in high school, when I visited here, and then a few times as a sophomore before I um before I ever covered a game in there, we we didn't have Cameron as uh as freshmen because of the pandemic and all mm-hmm. that. But it's it's really a unique experience just how small it is. the The students are right on top of the uh, the press. Personally, I dread when I walk in there and there are people I know standing right behind me because that can happen. Mm-hmm. But um. I've, I've been lucky over the last few years to cover in a lot of really amazing stadiums. Uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I was at the Dean Dome. Um, I was up in Madison Square Garden last year, earlier this year at the United Center. Um, and those are all amazing venues. That's where the best of the best in sports play. But there's an intimacy that that we all talk about. I think that's the word that gets thrown a lot around a lot to essentially playing the highest level of college basketball in a stadium that really resembles a really big high school gym more than anything. It makes it feel small in scope and uh, in a way that's pretty unique to Duke basketball. And I think uh, I can understand why the people who are um, looking for best programs to play out, people with those five-star labels, end up being attracted to what John Shire's got going on in Durham. Yeah. Yeah, it's a special place, man. Like I've been going to games since I was a kid um, and was able to go for my first Duke Carolina game in Cameron last year. And just the difference for a moment like that, right? Just the the energy level is so intense. It feels like the 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 students and you guys are just a little sharper, right? A little crisper things. The tents, everyone's ready to get out of the tents, I guess, and just kind of let that energy um, ride a little bit. So, yeah, it's a it's an absolutely special place here. Um, well, let's, let's pan out a little bit. We, we, I didn't talk too much about the Louisville game specifically here, but what has been your kind of just perspectives, takeaways on this team as a whole um, coming into the season? Pretty highly ranked, hit a few roadblocks. Uh, but over the last month or so, really post pit at home, started to get a little healthier. Obviously, we got Caleb kind of banged up here. Um, but what's it been like for you kind of as the as the student, as the fan, but then also covering it, your perspective on this group? Yeah, I think that they've they've really come around in the last month or two specifically. Um, I think that Mark Mitchell's a great, a great kind of emblem of that. He's had a great uh last month and a half as Duke has really picked up its play to a high level. But I think that when when they came in, I think they were the number preseason number two. Am I right about that? Two or three, somewhere in there, depending on where you looked, yeah. Yeah, I think I think that's hard for um a Duke team in this era. We've really seen these last few years where they they come on strong in in January and February last year. It was not the smoothest start, and they really came on strong down the stretch. And two years ago, they looked like a Final Four team by by the by the beginning of March. But they 
are a different team this year than they've been the last few years. I think the the really big thing that we've all talked about a lot is that last year you have Derek Lively in the middle. The, the year before that, you have Mark Williams in the middle. Mm-hmm. And you have this really big change to where your centerpiece is Kyle Filipowski, who's been used to playing the four and is now playing more of the five, surrounded by four really talented guards. And I think that kind of the story of these, of these last two months, maybe, um, really since the start of ACC play, is this team figuring out how those four guards all figure into the success of the team. I think that is part of the reason why the injury to Foster is a little bit concerning. There's a concern that for this team, things might fall out of balance. But in whole, looking at it from from afar, it looks like this team has um, has the ceiling to to make a run to go into Washington, D.C. in a few weeks and compete with the best in the ACC. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing how they score up with really good defensive team on saturday yeah yeah and you know if we want to this is kind of like maybe right in your infancy literally um but back in the day we did have a a a similar situation perhaps if we go back to 01 where carlos boozer kind of broke his foot there towards the end of the season now we had to make a run to i think it was was that was the 01 was that indianapolis or minneapolis well maybe minneapolis i believe yeah Um, i think so and he was able to come back. So hopefully we get fostered before then. Um, but there is not unprecedented that we could maybe incorporate that later on. I do want to ask you someone about someone specifically, your former West Coast kin out there, Jared McCain. He seems not, I guess all the guys do, but he seems to have some sort of special link between what he's doing on the floor and the student section. And like, he just has this ability to where we kind of talked about it a little bit, like his threes seem to be worth more than just three, just maybe whether it's in transition or off a flip kick out or the play breaks down. Um, and he just has this electric vibe. He's always smiling, right? Like, what has it been like kind of watching him covering the team to have a guy like that, that just, you can't seem to get the kid down. It's been, it's been really amazing to watch. Um, he was obviously a highly touted recruit. He came in here and we all expected him to be an instant uh, factor in this team, but we didn't really know who between um, who between Foster and McCain would kind of be that guy to figure into the backcourt next to uh, Roach and Proctor. And with all due respect to Foster, who's had an amazing season, McCain has really, I think, separated himself as the the scorer in that backcourt. Um, even with what Roach is doing, McCain is able to fill it up like like we saw at Florida State a few weeks ago. But what what you're saying with his his threes being worth a little bit more, um, his his buckets turned on the student section a little bit more. I think that there is there is a little bit of indescribable energy that he's got. And I think that's part of what makes him a special player. Um I I don't think I really noticed it until I saw it up close and personal in Cameron. A lot of the games I covered in the in the in 2023 before the turn of the calendar were on the road. I was down at Georgia Tech and in Chicago. And then being up close to it at Cameron, you really realize that he never turns it off. Um, mm-hmm. for for those 40 minutes or not he's not out there for all 40 minutes, obviously. He um he's he's got an intensity to him that you might not see on his face. Um that we I think we all associate him with with happiness and vibes a little bit more than that. But um in a, in a place as intimate as Cameron, 
uh, it's hard for the students section not to connect with that, for the fans not to connect with that. And it's 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 been an asset. He is playing at a at a really high level. Mm-hmm. I and I don't want to ramble on this, but last two weeks when we get into February and March, it's it's fun to see the the NBA scouts start lurking in the shadows a little bit and see who they're watching. And you can tell that there are a lot of eyes on Jared McCain. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he what he's done in conference play specifically has just been incredible. Um, I didn't even know he had the dunk package until the other night. He just splits mm-hmm. down through the lane, gets the hammer in there. Um, and, and it's really cool, too, because off camera, he's talking about like doing like mindfulness. Right. And just being very present and aware. But then there's also this intensity that he brings onto the floor. Um, him and Flip also seem to have a great chemistry. They've really linked up on a lot of stuff. Um, so that's been pretty exciting as well. Another thing I wanted to ask you about is Coach has really talked a lot, really over the two years, but it seems he's really emphasized it this year, this link, this appreciation um, for students, for fan support, for continuing that kind of Duke tradition. Do y'all feel that as well? Like as the students, like, hey, we're we're a part of this transition. Like, is there a sense of like responsibility or like this is who we are? We're going to maintain this. This is Duke. It's not just K or what's that kind of relationship been like? Yeah, I think I think that's that's definitely out there. Um, I'm I'm not in the student section as much as a lot of others, but I know that I remember hearing from people that there was a little bit of frustration about students not bringing the energy in uh in like late November, early December, when this team kind of hadn't met those really early expectations after um, two seasons of top notch intensity. Like two years ago was the was Coach K's last season, um, where every game there was like a two day line to get in. Um, last year was Coach Shire's first season, which had a, a similar aura to it. And then this year, in those first few weeks, I think that students were frustrated when the student body's uh, intensity lacked a little bit. You can see that everything kind of roaring back right now. Um, on a, a random Wednesday night in February, like last night, is not always going to going to um, produce that kind of crowd as did last night. Student section was um was rocking, I know, because it can it can make my job pretty tough <laughs> when, they're, when they're leaning over me. <laughs> but um I I think that the the general intensity around Duke basketball and the excitement around it on campus is something that's not going to go away. And Shire's done a really good job of it because he he was a student here. He was a Duke basketball player, um a national champion. I think it's hard for anybody else to really know it as intimately as as he does um so as as we go into march um i think it's a little odd not to have the acc tournament down here so i don't think there will be a huge duke contingent of students that head up there although it is over spring break but there is there's an excitement that's always existed um at least in my four years here it uh it's gone strong and we've probably seen that even start to trickle into the the football side of things, right? There's been a lot going on over there um, as well. Um, but, uh, you know, Jonathan, I don't want to take up all your time, too. I know Raul's got to get out of here as well. So just a, a second here as you're kind of ramping up, getting ready to even think about, you know, post-Duke or, you know, post-graduation. I don't know if you got grad school in your future or whatever, but... What, what kind of are your plans looking forward? Are you wanting to stay into the the sports journalism side? You want to go back more data analytics? Where are you leaning? So I'm I'm planning this next year to um, 
to move over to Charlotte to work in data analytics for a digital marketing company called Red Ventures. Um, I'm, I'm excited for that. Um, I'm a little sad to leave the, uh, the journalism and the sports journalism world behind, but I, I know I won't be too far. Um, and I'm excited to literally not be too far from Durham. <laughs> yeah, Charlotte's not bad. That's actually where I'm at now. So uh, a lot of opportunities down here and, uh, you know, and this part of the world too, especially if you're ever wanting to get more into the the pro aspect to right, then maybe some of the stuff here in Charlotte affords, afford you to do that. But as we get ready to get out of here, just real quickly, just plug kind of what you got going on where folks can maybe find you what what's in the Chronicles future and, and your work over there. Sure. Well, first off, it, it, it's been fun talking to you. I always enjoy talking Duke basketball and, uh, I'm a, I'm a big listener of Devil's Den, so it's it's it'll be funny to hear my own voice. <laughs> um, I I'll be out there on Saturday um, for the uh, the Virginia game. That'll be my my last game of the regular season with um, NC State and UNC coming up with some different writers after that. But you can find all of our team's work on DukeChronicle.com. We are a pretty much fully digital newspaper right now. On Twitter, we're at Duke Basketball. I'm at Jonathan Levitan. That's where you can find most of my work. But the uh the postseason postseason is where we do a lot of our best work. So hope if you're listening, you will follow along with us down the stretch run. Sure, for sure. Well, again, we appreciate you coming on, taking your time. I know you got stuff going on that you got to get to. Um, so we'll get out of here. In the meantime, folks, rate, review, subscribe. You can email us at the Pod at gmail.com. You can find us on the boards at the devilston.com. You can find us on X slash Twitter at devilstenpod247. And uh, keep the faces strong and the verve high. Go do. It.